May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Happy Easter! Welcome to Parkway Fellowship on Easter weekend. And I also want to say welcome to our North Campus that's joining us by video feed. Um, pastor Pat Hunt, our worship pastor, he is in charge of all the worship that happens at both campuses here at Parkway Fellowship. I, honestly, he is, I think, the greatest worship pastor in America. I mean, he is fabulous. Yeah, you can applaud him because he's that great. But he wasn't always a worship pastor. For a long time, he was in a rock and roll band traveling all over America, opening in some of the greatest venues, opening up for some of the biggest acts, and he's even won a Grammy, okay? That is how amazing he is. <clears throat> and as you can imagine, that traveling rock and roll lifestyle, like, it's a pretty wild life. You know, Pastor Pat would tell you that for years while he was traveling on the road, you know, he spent his time, you know, drinking and doing drugs and you know, cheating on his wife. Now, he's given me permission to share this, so like he's not in the back like freaking out right now, okay? <laughs> like he knows I'm sharing all of this. <clears throat> but Pat would also tell you that that whole time he was very empty. And then one day, the drummer in his band invited him to come to a musician's Bible study. And soon after he went, Pat became a Christ follower. And soon after that, he began to play in church. And, soon, and after two short stints at other churches, 11 years ago, Pat felt like God was leading him to help start a tiny little church at Cinco Ranch High School. And that began Pat's journey here at Parkway Fellowship. I mean, it's a great story. And as you, and, you know, as you might think, for a long time in Pat's life, the devil thought he had won. And for a long time, actually, he had. But when God reached out to Pat and Pat became a Christ follower, the devil's plans backfired. And they backfired because now Pat uses his musical ability to lead thousands of people every single weekend to worship him. And because of Pat's background, he is so easily relatable to someone who has led a wild lifestyle in their past. And although there are some churches that would not employ Pat because of his past, I truly believe that Parkway Fellowship is better off for having him here because it lets people know that this is a place that you can come to be loved and accepted just as you are no matter what is in the past. And I say all of that to lead you to one key truth today. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And this key truth, we're going to come back to it over and over and over again during this series. And it's so important that I want you to write it down in its entirety at the top of your message notes. So I want you to write it down, and here is what it is. God has a plan for me and the devil has a plan for me. 
which one is to be is up to me. Let me say it again. God has a plan for me, and the devil has a plan for me. Which one is to be is up to me. Even Jesus says that this is true. When he says, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief, and that's a reference to the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, there are two competing plans for each of our lives. One is from the devil, and the other is from God. Now, you know what that means, don't you? That right now, the devil is scheming against your life and against mine. It also means that right now, God has a great plan laid out for each of our lives. But which one is to be is up to me. It's up to each one of us. And I don't know what the devil has planned. But I can guarantee you that for some in this room, he's setting the stage for an affair because he wants to ruin your marriage. Or he's eroding the emotional closeness between a husband and wife because he wants to create distance in a marriage so that marriage becomes uninspiring and boring. Or he's sowing discord between parents and kids so they end up yelling at each other and then spouses end up yelling at each other. He's sowing that kind of a discord in families. Or he's plotting to get us into massive amounts of debt so that we're financially strapped and that we just worry about money all the time. Or he's trying to create tension at work so that the workplace is a place where we're just miserable. Or he's scheming to get us to start drinking more than we should. Or to start taking prescription drugs. Or to start overeating to cope with all the things that are stressing us out. But that doesn't make any of those things go away. In fact, it just adds problems to it. You know, bottom line, the enemy will do anything, anything at all, to bring ruin to our marriages, to our families, to our careers, to our finances, to our futures, to our lives. He would do anything. But God can cause all those things to backfire, which is why I'm so glad that in this series, for the next three weeks, we're going to look at different components of the Easter story and talk about how God has used those things that the enemy planned for evil and has now using them for, to accomplish his purposes. And today, appropriately, we begin with the centerpiece of the Easter story, the resurrection of Jesus. So... Let's look at what the devil's plan was and how God caused it to backfire and then what that means for each one of us. So, on that very first Easter, what was the devil's plan? It was this. To kill the Son of God and prevent any means for man to have eternal life. It was to kill the Son of God and to prevent any means for man to have eternal life. Now, the devil's plan began 
with using Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, to betray Jesus. So let's read about it in John chapter 13, verse 21. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter, most of the disciples said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. And as soon as, G- as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. The devil entered Judas Iscariot. See, by this time, Judas had so given himself over to the devil's plans that the devil literally took control of him. So we know that everything that is to follow was a part of the devil's plan. And the devil orchestrated things so that Jesus would be crucified. And crucifixion was the most painful and torturous death ever devised by man. It was designed so that a person would hang on the cross and suffer the maximum amount of pain for a long period of time. But it was also designed to humiliate someone. Because when someone was crucified, they would be crucified naked in a public place so that passers-by would mock them and jeer at them. And so the devil didn't want to just kill Jesus. He wanted to torture him, humiliate him, and then kill him. Look at this next set of verses in Luke 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And when Jesus died, the devil thought he had won. For three days... Three days, he thought he had won. But then, his plans would backfire in a big, big way. And how did it backfire? Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose. He rose from the dead. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, the first six verses. It says, after the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. 
he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. You see, the devil was so blinded by his own hate that he failed to understand that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. You know, and perhaps that's why Jesus was so cryptic about his description of his resurrection when he was teaching his disciples. Because if the devil had known that the resurrection was going to be God's greatest victory and his final undoing, I promise you, the devil would have stopped at nothing to prevent the crucifixion. But he didn't. He killed Jesus. He he did everything he could to make it happen. But when Jesus rose again, when his heart started to beat, when his body began to warm, when he opened his eyes, when he sat up, when he walked out of the tomb, He walked out victorious. He walked out victorious over sin, over death. He walked out victorious because his walking out proved that he truly had provided forgiveness for all of humanity if they would so choose it. That's why Easter exists. Look, it has nothing to do with bunnies that lay eggs. That is not what Easter is about. We celebrate Easter because Jesus foiled the plans of the devil and he rose from the dead providing eternal life for any who would accept it. And honestly, it's even better than that because crucifixion was not Satan's idea. It was God's idea. It's not like God you know, looked down from heaven and said, oh no, I guess I'm just going to have to take these lemons and make some lemonade. So, you know, resurrection. Like, that's not what happened. The crucifixion was God's idea, and he used Satan as an unwitting accomplice to finish out his own plans. Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Oh, men of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing tremendous miracles through him, as you well know. But God, following his prearranged plan, underline that, following his prearranged plan, let you use the Roman government to nail him to the cross and murder him. Then God released him from the horrors of death and brought him back to life again, for death could not keep this man within its grip. I mean, isn't that incredible? You know, that's what makes God so great. He can even use his enemies to accomplish his purposes. And God can do that in your life too. He can restore your marriage and make it better than you ever thought. He can restore the relationship with your kids and your grandkids. And so that you can be close to them like you always hoped. God can do a great work and bolster your career to make your workplace an environment that you enjoy going to. God can rescue your finances so that they become a place where, uh, of comfort and not where you're just stressed out all the time. God can do any of these things 
And he could take anything that the enemy has used for bad in your life and he could cause it to backfire and use it for good. That's what he did in Pastor Pat's life. That's what God did at Easter and he could do it for you. How? Two things. So what does God want me to do this Easter to help fulfill his plan and make sure the devil's plan backfires? Here's the first. Number one, become a genuine Christ follower today. Become a genuine Christ follower today. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. It was not God's intention that we experience his anger. Okay? That's a reference to being punished forever in hell. Okay? It's not God's intention that we experience his anger, but that we obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you obtain salvation? Is it through going to church? No. By being a good person? No. By repeating some words? Well, you know, not exactly. Look what God says that you and I have to do. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth, circle the word confess, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe, circle the word believe, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So to be a genuine, a genuine Christ follower, you must both confess and believe. So first, you have to confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Confess does not mean to just repeat or say something out loud. I mean, if it did, then the Bible would say repeat or say out loud, but it doesn't say that. It says to confess. The word confess means that you are to say something that you wholeheartedly believe to be true. And so what he's saying here is that you have to say out loud that you wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is Lord. Lord, not just over everything, but Lord over you that you would put him in charge of your life. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, is that you have to believe. And what is it you have to believe? That God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's so critical because it was because God raised him from the dead, that was the proof that Jesus offered true forgiveness for sins on the cross, and not just any sins, your sins. So let me ask you, has there ever come a time in your life when you have asked Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything you've ever done and pledge your life to following him? Now, you have to make sure that you've done both or you're not a genuine Christ follower. I mean, look, you might be like, you know, Pastor Pat, and you've just run as far away from God as you possibly can. But you're listening today because you're empty on the inside. Or maybe you went to church as a kid, but you never took any of that in and believed it for yourself. Or maybe you think that you're going to heaven because you're a good person. I gotta tell you, good works aren't going to get you to heaven. 
Because good deeds don't cancel out bad deeds. Honestly, I wish they did, but they don't. Sins have to be forgiven. Or maybe you think you're going to go to heaven because, you know, way back, when, way back when, you prayed a prayer and you asked Jesus to forgive you. Look, that alone is not going to get you to heaven. You also have to make a commitment to follow him, to make him your Lord, to put him in charge of your life. So let me ask you again. Have you ever prayed a prayer asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and pledge your life to following him? Right now, I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. Everybody all over the room, bow your head, close your eyes. Even at the North Campus, bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, but you're ready to pray it today, in just a second, I'm going to pray a very short and powerful prayer asking Jesus to forgive you and then put him in charge of your life. If you've never prayed that prayer before, but you're willing to do it today, I'm going to want you to repeat that prayer phrase by phrase after me out loud, okay? I'm going to pray it, and you're going to pray it phrase by phrase. But if you're willing to pray that prayer today for the first time in your life, what I want you to do is I want you to slip your hand up in the air high enough where I can see it, and I want you to slip your hand up there and look at me until I make eye contact with you. And if you're at the North Campus, Pastor Adam is right there. You put your hand up in the air until he makes eye contact with you. So if you're ready to pray that prayer today for the first time in your life, put your hand up in the air. Just slip it up in the air quietly. Look at me until I make eye contact with you. Okay. On the back row, I see all of you. You can put your hands down. Okay? Who else? Put your hand up in the air right now. I see it. Awesome. I see both of you. Fabulous. Congratulations. You can put your hands down. Okay? You looking at me? You looking at me? Okay. Put your hand down. I see you. Put your hand down. Proud of you. Way to go. Who else? Excellent, sir. I see you. You can put your hand down. Put your hand up high enough where I can see it. Yes, I see you. You can put your hand down. Who else? Now's your chance. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. You can put your hand down. Congratulations. Who else? Excellent. Thank you. I see your hand. For those of you that raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer phrase by phrase out loud after me, okay? Repeat this. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I believe in you and that you died on the cross for me. Please forgive me for all my sins. I commit to changing my ways and following you right now. Thank you for making me a new person inside. Help me grow in my faith and trust in you. Amen. Hey, let's give those people that prayed that prayer a round of applause. Man, way to go. That is awesome. Woo! That is exciting. Listen, I'm going to tell you 
where you can pick up a new believer packet when we get to the very end of our message today, okay? But I want you to hang on because until then, there's a second thing that we need to do to make sure that we are on God's path, okay? And number two, that is this, is that I need to become a friend of God, not just friendly toward God. I need to become a friend of God, not just friendly toward God. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 23. The Bible says this, it says, this shows the full meaning of the scripture that says, Abraham believed God and God accepted Abraham's faith. And that faith made him right with God. And Abraham was called God's friend. Abraham was called God's friend. Now, that's not what we would expect to read. We would expect to read that Abraham was called good. Or that Abraham was called a believer. Or that Abraham was even called God's follower. But he's not called any of those things. Abraham is called God's friend. See, I, a lot of people are just friendly toward God. By that I mean that, you know, they don't bear God any ill will. You know, they think God's fine. In fact, they even believe that God exists. Hey, come on. Even the devil believes that God exists. And Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could just have good feelings or be friendly toward God. Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we, like Abraham, could be called God's friend. And it's vital that we have that relationship with God because if there are two competing paths for our lives, two competing plans for our lives, then we need to have that relationship with God so that we can make sure that we are always choosing God's plan and not the enemy's plan. So we're walking down his path and not this path. So how? How do I become God's friend? Let me, quickly, let me give you three things. Here's the first. Be authentic when you pray. Be authentic when you pray. Look, don't try to use religious sounding words when you pray. Just talk to God. Tell him what's really going on in your mind what's really bothering you, and ask him for guidance and how to deal with it. That's what friends do. They talk to each other. And when they talk, they're honest. Don't try to filter things when you're talking to God. Be authentic in how you talk to him. Second point is this. Read what he said and do it. Now I'm talking about reading the Bible here. You know, people ask me all the time, hey, you know, Mike, how do I know what God wants me to do? I mean, if I knew, I would do it. Which I think is odd because God has already said what he wants you to do. In fact, to avoid confusion, he's written it down in the Bible. I think about it. Look, if God sent you an email, would you read it? Well, of course you would. So think about the Bible as a series of messages that God has sent to you. And he wants you to just read a little bit of it every day. And if you don't know where to begin in reading the Bible, start with the book of Mark. It's the second book of the New Testament. And read it all the way through. And when you finish, then you can go to the church, your, our church app on your phone and follow the Bible reading plan there. But start reading the Bible. Third thing is this. 
Be connected with his family. Be connected with his family. I'm talking about being a part of a local church. Look, and that's more than just, you know, occasionally attending. I'm talking about being a regular part of a church family. Men, think about it like this. What if you only came home twice a week to eat dinner, and while you were there, you asked your wife to go ahead and do your dirty laundry while you were eating? How's that going to go down? Would anybody in this room think that that is a normal way to run a family? Likewise, if we just come to church occasionally and ask God to clean our dirty laundry while we're here, does anybody think that that's a normal way to have a relationship with God? No. He wants you to be connected to a church family. And look, if you live here, then come to church here. If you live out of town, then be connected to a church there. But be connected with his family. All right, let me wrap it up by saying this. Easter's an incredible day because God not only caused the plans of the devil to backfire, but God has now allowed billions of people because of the resurrection to come into a relationship with him. Because remember, there are two competing plans for your life. God has a plan for me and the devil has a plan for me. Which one is to be is up to me. And to make sure that you are on God's path and following his plan, you need to make sure that you're a Christ follower and you need to make sure that you are a friend of God, not just friendly toward God. And also, God took 30 pieces of silver and he used them to blow a huge hole in Satan's scheme. But we're going to talk about that next week. So I want everybody to find your connection card and let's take some next steps together. Maybe it's this first one. I will pray and ask God to cause the devil's plans to backfire in my life. Would you do that? Very simple prayer, but would you pray it? It can be very powerful. Next, I prayed the prayer to become a genuine Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you prayed that prayer earlier, check that box because I want to mail you some free stuff in the mail. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table just before you walk outside of each of these doors. Just snag one on your way out to get your kids or get, get your car. Okay, next. I commit to be more authentic with my words when I pray. Would you do that? It's a great next step. Or this next one. I commit to come to church more consistently. Would you do that? Would you come to church more consistently? Next. I will memorize John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's an awesome verse. Or the last one. I will come back the next two weeks to hear the rest of the backfired series. Look, we only have two weeks left in this series. Would you make a two-week commitment to your own spiritual growth to come and hear how God can use the enemy's plans to backfire and to use what the devil had intended for good, for evil, for good in your own life. Two weeks. Be here. 
Right now, I want to give everybody in this room a chance to pray and ask God to change your life with the next steps that you've taken. So right now, everybody bow your head, and I want you to take these next moments to pray and ask God to change your life with these next steps. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us, and I thank you for raising Jesus from the dead, and that that was always a part of your plan, and you took the enemy's plans, and you caused them to backfire in the biggest way in all of history. And for those of us that are Christ followers and have been so for a long time, thank you for how encouraging it is and how victorious it is. For those that are Christ followers but have been far from you, I ask that you would help them today to re-engage with you. Not just to have friendly feelings toward you, but to be called your friend and deepen a relationship with you. And for those that prayed that prayer for the first time today, God, I ask that you would help them walk that journey with you in a life-changing way so that from this day forward, they would be known as a genuine Christ follower. And bring us back safely next week to hear more about how Jesus caused the enemy's plans to backfire. And ask you to do all of this in his name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.